Okay, well, welcome to the May 10th, 2018 edition of the Science Fiction Club. Uh, Our meeting tonight, and we are talking about books that we've read recently or long ago or any time in between uh, that we liked or didn't like or were indifferent about. Did you just want to tell people about? So we'll just start with whomever, and we'll go around till everybody gets a chance to talk about whatever book they want to talk about. Okay. Um, looks like I be, I blipped through first. Okay, I wanted to tell you about Crusade by Taylor Anderson, and this is actually part of a series. I think it's about twelve books long. And somehow, I ended up with Volume 2, and I haven't read Volume 1, and or any of the other volumes, but um, I will say that there are a lot of references to things that happened in Volume 2, and by the way, that one is entitled Into the Storm, um, but it is readable on its own. It has its own story, so I think you could read it, but you might be frustrated by references to things that happened before, so you might want to read the first volume first. But in any case, the premise is that it is World War II in the South Pacific, and an American battleship is chasing a Japanese battleship. And chases that battleship right into a storm they pass through the storm and come out the other side apparently in some kind of alternate earth Um, there are references about how they figured out that it was an alternate earth that happened in volume one in crusade volume two they've already figured it out The sort of Earth there are, well, there's a war going on there, too, between two different species. One of them are called the Lemurians, and where that name came from is apparently these people evolved from Madagascar lemurs. Um, Yeah, it's kind of an alternate history, but the split was way back. And the other species are called the Greek, which are evolved from carnivorous dinosaurs, and they are two intelligent, fairly civilized um, groups of um, beings. And here comes a an American and a Japanese warship right into the middle of this, and the Greek and the the Murians do not have nearly the technology that the humans who have suddenly showed up have. And the humans end up allying with the Lemurians, which are normally a peaceful kind of species, but they do have to fight because otherwise the Greek will eat them. In fact, the Greeks seem to regard them as their number one food source. And 
the Gwik, well, they are really, really nasty. Um, there were battles described where right in the middle of the battle, uh, some of the Gwicks settled down to have a meal with some of their victims in the middle of a bat while the battle is raging on. Well, it seems that the Japanese ally with the Gwick, but at first the humans think, the Americans think that they did that on purpose, but as a matter of fact, every now and then it switches to the Japanese viewpoint, and it's like they aren't exactly willing allies of the Greek, but the Greek are very interested in them because could grieve a battleship with guns and bombs and all that kind of stuff. They don't have anything like that. And if they learn how to use that, and if they learn how to make it themselves, boy, can they be, have some big Lemurian feasts. And well, that is basically what it's about. Like I said, in the first volume, they learn, the humans learn that they are in an an alternate world. In the second volume that I read, they are pretty much having a war with the Greek and with the Japanese um, by default. So, that's my book this time. I heard of, of this series, or at least this duology. I don't know if there's more. Uh, but I can't remember where now. It sounded like it might be fun, just for, you know, not very heavy, serious reading, just kind of fun. Um, did you say, I can't remember, did you say those were on Bookshare, or where did you get them? I got it from uh, Bard. And it's not a duology, it's actually a series of maybe, I think, it's about 12 books. At least on the um, the uh, Goodreads page for this one, there's a list of other books in the series, and I think it I think it amounted to about twelve. But it's called the Destroyerman series, and again, it's by Taylor Anderson. Oh, okay. Yeah, I must have seen it on Bard then. Um, it does sound like fun. Um, to start from the beginning, but wow, I had no idea there were that many books. Really cool. Hello, everybody. I'm sorry I'm late. Hi, Anne. Well, you got here, and we're glad you're here. Now let's have her give her report. Oh, gee. Well, um, as I say, I'm sorry. I got a bunch of texts from some students, and I had to answer them and all this rotty rah So, anyway, um... I have been, I don't know whether I started these books back last month or not. Maybe I was in the middle of, of the the, um, the fantasy series, but I read, I well, I've had some things on my mind, and when you get like that, what you want is, is um, escape reading, and you want something that you've read before, that you don't even have to think about. So I read um, Anne McCaffrey's The Tower and the Hive series, um, or the Rowan series, whatever. Um, I think it's called the Rowan series. Anyway, there are five books, and it's all about the the folks who can um, send uh, 
supplies and spaceships and so forth kinetically all over the universe and what happens to them and all that like that so um, that's what's uh, what I read and I really enjoyed it because I didn't have to think about it and it took my mind off uh, the stuff I was struggling with this past month and so I uh, that's what I've been reading uh, that's my report and I'm sticking to it well uh, okay but it's a little thin I mean this is five books and you're only telling us that they send ships around the galaxy telekinetically and that's it no plot you got to be a plot right Oh, yeah. Oh, there's a plot. Okay, so, um, well, the first book starts out with uh, the original uh, telekinetic person called the Rowan because she's found at the Rowan mining uh, camp, and she is the only survivor of uh, a... Uh, mudslide disaster that kills her parents and everybody else and she's the only survivor and what is uh, it follows the Rowan and she finds a a suitable um, partner I won't go into that because that would be a spoiler and the ver- the the subsequent books follow her daughter Damia and Damia's children and Lion's Pride and it follows the whole family and their relationship with each other as well as with others who are in their same profession as well as you know what's going on politically in the um, in the world that they live in and they also associate with aliens and uh, uh, both good and bad um, so it's it's quite the quite the series and it really is very good and um, as with all of Anne McCaffrey's stuff you know her style is just brilliant and um, you know it's clear it's concise it's um, and yet at the same time she really allows um, you to see her characters and I had read this before as I said and I um, I I, uh, I enjoyed it what else can I say is that better? Yeah, thanks. I just we wanted people to get a better idea as to what, you know, what, what it might be about, so they might, you know, think about it. Um, anybody listening might be curious. I just wanted them to have just a little bit more. That's all. Thanks very much. And actually, it goes back even further because um, Pegasus in flight, Pegasus in space, to ride Pegasus are kind of prequels even to the to the Rowan's to the Rowan novel, although they're not considered part of that series. Right. Yes, you're right about that, uh, Marshall. The uh, yes, the the Pegasus books are the prequel uh, series to that. But I think if if anyone enjoys Anne McCaffrey and 
her style and uh, you know her types of characters i think you will enjoy this it's um well as i say it's it's enjoyable reading it isn't serious cuz that's what i didn't need <laughs> i've got enough serious in my life at the moment yeah i kind of do too in my book uh, well, first of all, I want to thank you, Anne, for bringing up that series because I know that I have been intending to read it for years and years, and shame on me, I haven't gotten to it yet. <laughs> but anyway, I guess I'll go ahead and talk about my book. It won't take too long. It's Illegal Alien by Robert J. Sawyer, and there's a lot of courtroom drama in this one. It's kind of a typical start for a science fiction book in a lot of ways because aliens come to Earth and humanity is just enthralled about that. And this one alien who, for reasons that will become more apparent later on, is wanting to get to know the humans and be their friends and everything, this alien gets killed. And so there's a big courtroom drama throughout most of the book about whether the alien really did that, and why would he if he's actually the friend of the humans on the Earth. And and uh, at the same time, throughout this courtroom drama, we find out that there are other aliens that were on the starship with this individual, about six or seven of them, who are coming to different planets and killing the life there so that they can survive because they're planet has a weird orbit and the orbit causes the temperatures to go down far below zero and for thousands of years they have to hibernate and they don't want to have to do that Um, so they're looking for planets to use for colonization and you don't really find that out until somewhere around the last half of the book but I won't say more about it except that it becomes obvious that there are uh, aliens who are opposed to all of this, including the alien that has become the friend of the humans. And uh, so there's other stuff going on in there, but that is the basic plot. And it was quite interesting seeing how all this courtroom stuff brought out all kinds of interesting things, like um, how do you deal with racial differences, with religious differences, with all sorts of other things, environmental concerns, and on and on it goes. And I think this is published sometime in the mid-1990s, but it's still very relevant, although the technology is 1990s technology, but that's okay. The story is good anyway, and so that's Illegal Alien. Well, I guess I'll go now. Um, I read a book called Ozone by Paul Theroux, and I was interested to read it, from the, from the uh, description at the beginning of the book, where it talk, talks about these elitists who live in an isolated New York, and uh, they 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 go to this this area in the United States called Ozone, which actually is, was the original Ozarks. And in the description, they say they meet aliens, and that was very interesting to me. I was wondering, you know, I wanted to read the book to find out what kind of aliens they are. Well, it turns out that they weren't aliens extraterrestrial. They were more like what we consider the illegal aliens. They were people who who somehow were still living in, in the ozone area because it was an area that was off limits because apparently uh, 
chemicals were spilled or new, or nuclear um, byproducts, and it caused the, the whole area to be basically uninhabitable, so at least so the rest of the country thought. But these uh, poor people managed to adapt and to survive there. Um, so when these uh, elitists decided to go there for New Year's, to spend on a New Year's holiday, they fly in and they land there, and then they, and then they start hunting these people, which they consider to be almost subhuman in their in their aircraft, and they killed a couple and scattered them. But one of the people, one of the the main what they call uh, owners, sees this young girl who is running away from some of the others, and he sort of falls in love with her. And he decides that he wants to come back later on to try to 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 get her. He's sort of enthralled by her her beauty. And one of the interesting thing, one of the interesting characters in the book is this fifteen year old boy whose name is Fisher, who was a sort of a his mother apparently manipulated her her um, embryo or got an embryo and. and and sort of tailored him, and he came out to be this computer geek that was very that could do all kinds of things with computers, but he, but he had no other type of social skills. And he would call, he would use a rather picturesque language, calling people porkers and all kinds of other strange names. And he always walked around with his helmet and his suit on. When his uncle took him with him when he went back to the ozone to try to look for this girl, since. He was able to navigate and set courses much better than anyone else. And when they got there, they, um, these people, the aliens, stole him out of the of the airplane. And a good part of the book describes how he learned to adapt to live with them and living a very primitive existence. Because in New York, they lived a very sheltered, very uh, high-tech life, completely isolated from the rest of the world, the rest of the country. Um the book was rather long. It was 22 hours, and parts of it I found a little boring. It's I'm not sure if I would recommend it, but it, it had some interesting things. At the end, um, um, his uncle finds the girl, brings her back to New York, and they fall in love with each other. She's only 15, um, and he takes her to visit different parts of the world where they have vacations, like in some parts near Africa where they have a tropical paradise, which they describe. And um, the ending's sort of weird because the mother goes off looking for who might have been the original, who might have donated his sperm to father this boy whose name was Fisher. And I don't know if she ever actually finds him. So I don't know. The book was was rather long, and I think I slept through parts of it, but it had some interesting parts. But I'm not, I don't think I'd recommend it to anybody. Yeah, that book was mentioned by somebody or other. I just remember it for some reason. Um at a club meeting a while back, I think it might have even been before we changed formats to talk about each one, you know, for each person to bring their own book. I think we talked about it. Um, somebody mentioned it anyway, but, because it did stick in my mind. I haven't seen it, anything about it since then, but I I did uh, remember it somehow. It's interesting what sticks in the memory and what doesn't. I think I saw it on Bard and I put it up on the on the email list some time ago. Gosh, that must have been years ago. <laughs> I'm glad it's still around. I mean, it might be interesting to at least read it. 
Well, I read a book that I had read before also, and the reason I read it again is because I didn't remember it very well from the first time I read it, and I thought, well, maybe it was me, maybe I just wasn't with it at the time, or I just had, you know, wasn't paying attention, or it was a bad time to read it. You know, some books, you know, you, you hit them at the right time, and they really... Uh, they really get you, and then you know you can read it again, and it doesn't uh, doesn't work as well. Well, I read this book, um, and I and now I understand why I didn't remember it very well the first time because I didn't think it was that great, and I know I'm in the minority on this. Uh, oh, and I haven't told you the name of it yet. It's called More Than Human by Theodore Sturgeon, and I was reading the Wikipedia article a little bit ago, and I realized how unanimous the praise was for it, and I'm thinking, well, I mean, it was, it had some, I mean, it wasn't a terrible book, but I don't think it was the greatest thing since sliced bread, either. Um, but anyway, the basic thing, you know, okay, it's three parts, there are three parts, the, uh, the original, the middle part was actually a novella that he wrote first, called Baby is Three, and then he put a part in front of it, and a part behind it. So the first part is called The Fabulous Idiot, and it's about um, a guy who we have no history of. He doesn't appear to know much, but he's got psychic powers. He can look into people's eyes and make them do what he wants. So he lives on the street, and when he's hungry, somebody will feed him. And so, um, okay, well, we're introduced to several people. The first part, as I said, is about mainly about this guy because he's got, you know, psychic powers, and he meets up with some other people to form the, what uh, Sturgeon calls the homo gestalt, which I'll get to uh, in due course, as they say. Uh, but first, uh, we introdu- he introduces us to several people, and among them are two girls who live in this mansion in a forest, which is fenced around so that nobody can get in or out, by their father, who is obsessed with evil, and his wife dies in childbirth uh, during the birth of their second child, and so he lives out there in seclusion. And anyway, one of the daughters, the second daughter, Evelyn, is telepathic, and she, uh, the idiot, the fabulous idiot, hears her call, uh, so to speak, and so he uh, manages to get into this, the grounds of this mansion, and the father finds, they're not doing anything, but he finds the idiot there and tries to kill him, and and his daughter jumps on him, and he turns around and hits her, and, and, uh, she dies, and the fabulous idiot is injured, and he's found, he manages to get out, but he's found by these far, this farming couple, and they take him in, and he lives there for about seven years or so, and um, he learns to talk somewhat, and he, the farmer asks him his name, and he wants to say alone, but he only gets loan out, so that's what they call him. Um... After about seven years or so, the couple is having a baby, and they really would like him to go, but um, he um, he picks that up and makes it appear though as though it's his idea to leave. And so he leaves and builds himself a 
kind of a shack in the forest, and then um, at some time around then we meet some other people. We meet a little five-year-old who's kind of telekinetic, and her name's Janie, and we meet two other uh, little girls who live uh, downstairs from her who are colored, and this is this factors into the story a little bit. Um, and they're, they can teleport, but they can't teleport with clothes, apparently. Um, so Bonnie and Beanie are their names. So um, and it's interesting that Thur- Sturgeon, I seem to pick up on this, m- most of these people come from like dysfunctional families. Um, Janie's mother kind of sleeps around and seems to drink and stuff. And uh, Evelyn's father, though she doesn't become part of the Gestalt, but her sister plays a, a part in the story later on. Um, another guy, Jerry, who we meet later, um, he gets to be part of the Gestalt, and his uh, he's an urchin, a street urchin, who's kind of sociopathic. And So anyway, at the end of the first part, Janie and Bonnie and Beanie are leave home, uh, and because Janie is tired of her mother, and how she lives with her and they find the fabulous idiot and set up shop in the shack and then um, in the second part we meet Jerry more formally he's in therapy because he doesn't remember he has a memory block and I'm not sure how much to say I mean this book's been around for 65 years so I mean, there can't be too many people that haven't read it, but I don't know if I should spoil it or not. Um, but, um, so I'll just say that uh, he... Um, um, okay, let me back up slightly. Lone goes back to the farmer um, he, to check up on him, and his truck is stuck in the mud, and so he asks... Uh, well... Hold on, I'm getting confused here. Hold on. He goes back to the farmer, and the farmer's wife has died, apparently. and But she died giving birth, and the farmer is, like, he doesn't accept it. He doesn't even realize she's died. He's kind of gone into his own world, and the baby is mongoloid. and so. But it turns out that he has special talents. He can come up with the answer to any, co- any question uh, that you can coherently place, apparently. He's got phenomenal intellect and memory or something and I'm not sure how he got all that because he, you know, was just barely uh, uh, I don't know how old he was, but he wasn't very old but anyway, he um, so Lone makes him for makes the farmer forget that he has a baby and he takes the baby away because the farmer isn't taking care of it and so then he goes back and notices the farmer's truck is stuck in the mud and he asks Baby how to help get the truck out, and he builds a anti-gravity generator under Baby's instructions. Baby can't communicate very well. He communicates through Janie, apparently, because she can understand him better than anybody. And So anyway, we meet Jerry in the second part, and Jerry is under psychotherapy. And so then we meet... Um, um, we, we go back to... Um, Evelyn's sister, whose name is Alicia, and the reason is because Lone gets killed, and before he gets killed, he tells them to go to this house where Alicia lives, this big mansion in the forest, and she'll help them and get them an education and take care of them and stuff. So 
we meet Jerry, and Jerry, uh, you know, he uh, takes charge of the, because he's got telepathic powers too, and they're even better than loans were. And um, so he takes over kind of like the head of the group. It's like the Janie is the, the body, and Bonnie and Beanie are the hands, and Baby is the brain, and so that's how the homo gestalt kind of works. Except they're missing one thing, and that's a conscience. So, in the third part, we meet this guy named Hit Barrow, so we kind of briefly met at the beginning, and his father's kind of dysfunctional, too. He's a doctor, and he makes... Uh, well, anyway, I don't want to digress and take up too much time. But anyway, if you read it, you'll see. Um, he's not as bad as um, Evelyn and Alicia's father, but he's bad enough. Anyway, um, he... Uh, we he is in jail and uh, Janie we don't know who it is at first but some woman comes and gets him out and um, she takes him around and uh, they they walk around together and go see things and and uh, she gra- he gradually gets his memory back and it turned out that he was in the army and he's a kind of a really gifted engineer and he found this anti-gravity generating device and Jerry made him forget about it and made him look like he was insane. Because remember, Jerry's kind of sociopathic. He says, at the end of Baby is Three, he says, what's morality? So he, you know, he doesn't really... But which is, of course, the third part of the story. The first part is Lone, called The Fabulous Idiot. And the second part is called Baby is Three. And the third part is called Morality. So Sturgeon is exploring in the third part how you give this homo gestalt uh, a morality... Since it isn't human, it can't use you know human morality, according to Sturgeon. I'm not sure, but that's what he seems to be saying. And um, so we meet Hip in the third, and most of the sec- most of that is taken up with uh, him recovering his memory and realizing what Jerry did to him. And then he goes and confronts Jerry, and he becomes the conscience of the homo gestalt in the end, and he joins the group, and he brings Jerry around. I am spoiling it, I guess, a bit. Um, But anyway, as I said, the book's been around for 65 years. Um, So anyway, uh, and then at the very end, um, Jerry, who he's kind of the head now, he gets in contact with some other homo gestalts that apparently have been around for quite a while, and they're kind of helping humanity Though not openly, they're very secret, and they are, um, you know, but he, but since he, the homo gestalt that we've been, the story is about, has finally gotten its conscience and evolved a bit to a higher moral plane, so to speak, they, other ones, the other homo gestalts that have been in secret choose to reveal themselves now telepathically. So, that's basically more than human, and I thought it was pretty good, but most of it, I mean, a lot of it isn't about uh, homo gestalt. It's about the people, you know, it's about, you know, uh, Hip Barrow's recovering his memory, and it's about, you know, Lone kind of, you know, building his shack and working on the farm and stuff like that. And I don't know, I guess it's a pretty good book. I, I would recommend it, but I, as I said, I don't think it's the greatest thing ever written, as some people apparently did, but I'd give it about a three and a half. Maybe a four out of five if I'm generous, but uh, that'd be it. So that's my book. Well, 
I read read and listening to voiceover too much. It never can tell when to use read and when to use read. So I think I'm starting to adopt its speech patterns. I read The Gods Themselves by Isaac Asimov. And like the More Than Human, it has three parts in it. Plus a rather interesting dedication. The first part starts out, this chemist is looking at titanium, and instead of finding titanium, he finds plutonium-182. And you'll have to read the book to find out how plutonium gets from 249 to 182. But what it turns out is that an intelligent race in another universe has figured out how to get energy from our universe and also give our universe energy. And the guy that discovers it becomes a big honcho in physics, you know, starts destroying people's career if they challenge him, and it goes on and on and on. And then we switch to the other universe, which consists of four different kinds of beings. Three of them are clearly one species. Uh, There's one that performs the parenting role, including giving birth. There's one that involves the thinking role called a rational. And then there's a third that involves the emotional role, which sounds almost like a plasma, um, because it can alter its density. And they go spend a while there uh, going back and forth and there's this other species called the wise ones and their role isn't quite clear they do a lot of the really heavy thinking I mean they know they actually have the capability to use all of the information they have and Then there's the third part in which we go back to our universe and one of the guys that the nasty professor had out of physics or out of chemistry, he's gone to the moon to try and convince people that getting this energy from another universe is a bad thing because it will change the way the sun fuses and basically cause the sun to explode. And you go, and it just goes on and on and on. I didn't particularly like it. Um, I don't even begin to understand the purpose of putting the three species in the alternate use universe although there was a bit of surprise towards the end of that section. Um, In fact, I don't remember how the book ended. I didn't particularly enjoy it. It does show what can happen in an educational institution. But I wouldn't give this book much of a recommendation. Um, 
you know, it was, he starts off by saying it was, he hadn't written science fiction for a long time, and I think he lost it when he, when he stopped writing. And like I said, I would not give this book a very good recommendation. I might point out that those three types of beings in the alternate universe are three sexes of the same species, and they need all three sexes to reproduce, and a lot of the plot dealt with um, their attitudes uh, towards sex, which was an entirely different kind of sex than humans deal with, but their attitudes were towards sex and their um, mores and stuff toward how they are, uh, we can't say pair, um, instead of pair, how they triple and so on. Yeah, and at the end of that section, they merge to become what they call a hard one. Those are the, they actually become an adult um, and that's the adult form is the hard one where they all, the emotional, the parental, and the rational all merge into one final, into an adult and become a permanent hard one. Um, that was, uh, honestly, actually, I thought that was one of Asimov's best books, but I wasn't as huge a fan of Asimov's as, you know, Lissy likes him more than I do, and he writes some clever stuff, and some of it has some emotional resonance, but I never thought he was, you know, one of my favorites. But I thought, actually, um, at the end of The Gods Themselves, I remember, I've read this a couple times, two or three maybe, over the last 40 years, 45 years or so, when I first read it. It was like 1973 when it came out. They create another, they create what they, a cosmic egg from a, 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 a lower universe so that it will balance out the because the, the, the universe that, that is in the second part of the gods themselves has a lower reaction rate. Uh, the stars are smaller. There are many fewer stars. Um, things, um, the, 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 the laws of physics are, you know, it takes more to fuse there. I don't remember the exact, you know, way to say it. But so they were worried about the sun losing its ability to fuse because the laws of physics... As you use this plutonium-186 that comes over, I think it was 186, but I don't remember for sure, I thought. Um, it affects the laws of physics in our universe. So what they did at the end of the third part of the gods themselves is they they started um, pump, uh, getting energy from another universe where the fusion was faster, so that it would balance out the the influence of the laws of physics from the universe where they were getting the energy originally from the second part of the story. So I thought it was actually not a... Uh, I thought it was a pretty good book. It actually, what? It won a Hugo, didn't it? I think it did. can't remember for sure. I recall that... I think it was in the introduction, or if it wasn't in the introduction, it was somewhere else that Asimov was writing about this book, where he said that um, what instigated the book was that people kept telling him that he never um, included any sex in his books. And, you know, he wrote all these stories and there was never any, any reference to sex, so he wanted to prove that he could so write a book with descriptions of sex in it. And what does he do? He writes about alien creatures who have three sexes and conduct sex in an entirely different way than... Um, 
humans or any animals on earth would do so and that proved that he could write about sex but it's still not sex the way we usually think about it I thought it was a pretty good if I thought he if, you know evoked an alien universe pretty well actually in that second part it's my favorite part actually yeah this is actually one of my very favorite science fiction books and I probably dip into part two more than I dip into the other two parts <laughs> But the thing that, another thing is that the aliens universe was changing too because when the exchange was going on of energy, parts of our universe were going into theirs and parts of their universe was changing into ours. And so the, one of the things that happened was that the aliens could not merge properly. They couldn't change as well. And, uh, of course there were changes in our universe, too, that were going on at the same time. So that was one of the reasons that this had to be put to a stop, um, that the energy exchange had to be balanced out or some way altered so it wouldn't damage the uh, living beings who were living there and the sun, of course, and our universe was was changing. So, uh, I just, man, I love this book. I really, I really think it's one of my favorites. Yeah, and the emotional part of the threesome was uh, knew that this was happening, and they he that she knew that this was affecting our universe, and she was trying to avoid becoming an adult with merging with the other two because she knew that when she was part of the adult, they would they or she thought at least, I don't remember if it were how it turned out, but she thought that they were going to just ignore that and not care about what happened to our universe. But she was very, uh, I remember, it was very poignant, actually, near the end of that part of the story, because she was trying to get away from them, and they were trying to merge with her to create the adult. And she was saying, you're not, you know, she was thinking they're, they're going to destroy the other universe just for themselves. Well, anyhow, uh, it's 9.50, so I might as well say that the next meeting will be on Thursday, June 14th, 2018. We have a five-week interlude this week, or this month. Um, interlude, interregnum, interregnum, that was the foundation term for the time between empires. See, now I'm thinking about other Asimov books. So, anyway, we will see you on June 14th with more books to talk about.